Good evening, everyone. Good evening. We are continuing our series, Encountering with God, and we're going to be doing our part two of Embracing Justice. If you were here last week, you will have heard Charlie did a great talk all about really just highlighting uh, the injustices in society and making a really helpful point that so often our focus is on the injustices to us. And I really enjoyed that pie chart and just thinking of the little bit of the pie being us and actually how we can easily be like the older brother who's moaning and yet we're living with an amazing God who has shown us amazing grace. So we're going to think about that theme a bit more and just really extend upon what Charlie was saying. I'm going to be a bit strange this evening and I know some of you are thinking he's quite strange a lot so can it get even stranger but I'm going to Look at a passage that we probably don't, don't normally look at for another seven months because it's a Christmas passage. And it's only read often at Christmas. So if you have a, a Bible, and if we go to the next slide, it's Isaiah 9. And we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. And as we read these verses, very familiar verses, especially at Christmas, maybe not in the peak of summer, but um, we are going to be thinking, what does this passage tell you about the nature of God's justice. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now what does it mean that when God, is zeal, when God has zeal, when he is zealous to accomplish something? The word zeal simply means to have an intense, passionate enthusiasm for something. And we may know a bit about that when we first, if we've gone through this experience, if we've fallen in love. And when you first fall in love with someone, you feel that unstoppable passion that you would just do anything for them. You would travel anywhere, you would give anything because you love them so much. And that honeymoon period ends and our zeal and our love wavers, it dwindles. And we get to the point, perhaps, where we can't even be bothered to put the toilet seat down. Um, and of course, we have to work on passion and in, in a marriage. Uh, but there's a difference here between our passion, our zeal, and God's. Because God's passion never diminishes. It never fades. It never dwindles. It never changes. There's no honeymoon period with God. So what Isaiah is saying is that when God is passionate about something, when he's zealous to accomplish something, he will get it done. It's not a seasonal thing. And so God is passionate about justice. What is it that he is so passionate about? What is justice? A couple of things, really. Two things, really, that makes justice justice in terms of in eyes of God, what he is about as a just God. First thing is doing what is right. So you'll look up there and you'll see when it mentions justice and righteousness, they're basically synonyms, the same 
basic word for each other. So when someone is righteous, it is the equivalent of justice. So if you act righteous, you act just. So if you don't act just, you're not in any way, it could be said that you're a righteous person. And the same is if you're an unrighteous person, you are unjust in your actions. God is therefore passionate about holding the unrighteous, the unjust to account. He wants to make sure all things are done right with perfect ruling. And then secondly, God is concerned with doing what is right, and then God is also concerned with doing what is fair. God is an impartial God. Every human, whatever their ethnicity, social standing, the type of family they're in, is a God, has a God stamp image upon them. And so God treats them with dignity. And so God wants to hold uh, to account where there is unfairness, where there is discrimination, where there is any prejudices. Now, with, in light of the fairness and in light of God being right and fair in all that he does, these being the things that moves him forward as he acts in the world, who's up for, a cu- for encountering God's justice and embracing it? Do you feel up for encountering that? Yes. You're all saying yes. Well, could we go to the next slide? I think I may have told this story at a previous uh, talk, maybe when we were doing Amos, but there you've got the Grenfell Tower where there was, in an area where there was lots of wealth around it. And then, of course, it was a part of London where there were pockets of deprivation. And in order, where there were nice houses nearby, in order to make this tower block look nice, it was covered in all this cladding, which we've all come to know as such uh, something that was, had fire, ex- was able to accelerate and obviously killed lots of people. And um, a frog or earwing uh, was, uh, was a, a vicar who was asked to lead a public act of commemoration, a service a couple of days later after the Grenfell Tower disaster. And it was held outside of about a thousand people uh, in attendance and lots of people who had relatives who were killed. And uh, most people who went to that uh, memorial, uh, that time of remembrance, were not churchgoers. And at that memorial, there was um, Psalm 147 was read out. And it talks about in that psalm that God is close to the brokenhearted. And then the psalm talks about how the wicked will be thrown to the ground. And at that moment, when Frog read that, the crowd erupted. There was an applause with this idea that there might be some sort of accountability for the wicked, that standing and looking at a building that in our modern Western civilization, where people were literally burnt to death, that there was this deep sense in the people there and all around the world that this was profoundly wrong. It wasn't right and it was profoundly unfair and people wanted that sort of justice and accountability. And we all have that deep sense of wanting to see what is right and what is fair. I guess we're still at this point thinking, yes, we would want to encounter God's justice. But let's go to the next slide. There's one person who was fascinated with God's justice was the Apostle Paul. 
and he writes about it quite a bit in the first few chapters of Romans. And he says this about every human being that has ever lived. In Romans 3.23, all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. And then Romans 5.12, so then just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all people because all sinned. In other words, every single human being has acted in some way, not right, not justly, and has acted unfairly. And, and since sin has come from everyone, everyone is guilty of sin, and there must be a penalty, a punishment for that, in order for God to really be acting just. Now, with that in mind, who still is wanting God's justice? See, it gets us thinking, doesn't it? It gets us challenged. We're going back to thinking about the zeal of the Lord 700 years after Isaiah uh, wrote about the coming of Jesus. If we go on to the next slide. In Luke 4, 18, Jesus says this, the Spirit of the Lord is now upon me because he has anointed me to carry out justice, to proclaim good news to the poor, to set me, set, sent, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. So Jesus is saying that God is at work in me. I am, the, I am God and in all that I'm doing, I am treating people fair and I'm starting to put things right and obviously as we follow the life of Jesus we know in all that he is dealings with people he did what was right as he dealt and helped and cared for oppressed people and he did all that was fair as he treated people with impartiality whether it was the tax collector or meeting with leopards or treating prostitutes with the same dignity as even the most religious people of his day. Now, I've kind of gone through a lot of verses, and what am I really trying to say with all of this? Where am I getting to how we think about justice today and how we act just? Well, I want to get to the big irony of justice, because, of course, when we look at Jesus, we see an injustice and that here is the one who has treated everyone right, here is the one who has treated everyone fair, and yet he is, receives complete injustice upon his life. He is betrayed by a friend, he's deserted and denied, he's tortured, he's put on trial with no fair hearing, he's sentenced to death with basically no evidence at all. Why? Well, I need a volunteer, and I'm hoping Charlie, because we did plan this a little bit. You don't know what's going to happen, but you know you're going to be a volunteer. So do you want to come up as my volunteer? Do you want to stand over here? And um, can we go to the next slide? So, now thinking about those words right and fair that should just be resounding in our head as we've kind of been going over them. Paul then says, in his explanation about all of this, he says, God did this. He allowed what happened to Jesus to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance he has left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. 
He's allowed the injustice to go on because God did this to prove in our own time that he is fair, he proved that he is right, he also made right with himself those who believed in Jesus. Now at this point I'm going to get my uh, well-prepared prop. You didn't put anything in this bin, did you? I don't think you did. Okay, great. And uh, as we think about what Paul is saying here, is he saying every time that you've done something unfair to someone, any time you've looked at someone and just felt, I'm better than you, I'm more important than you, any time that you've, you've used a slur that you realised as time has gone by that was actually a racially prejudiced thing to say, that was a sexist remark, as you said those things, as you acted unjust, as you did those things that were not right, were not fair, do you know what's going to happen there? No idea. I've got a lot more scrunching up to do. But as you did those things, God then took all that rubbish and rather than treating us as our sin deserved, as a people that are not just to one another and have not been just to God. And God, with his anger towards our sin, his righteous anger, he executed the justice when Jesus died on the cross. And so that when we go and God comes to us, there is no righteous anger against our sin. There is just blessing and grace poured out on each and every one of us. Can we give a big round of applause to Charlie? Thank you. We go to the next, uh, we keep, go to the next slide, please. And here it is. Again, thinking about that word, the same word, righteous and justice, how we can see it as basically a syndrome. God made him, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness. In other words, we might become the justice of God. I suppose what I've been trying to say as we're getting through all of this is, it's only when we recognise the justice that was done, the mercy, the grace that we've received in remembering Jesus' death on the cross, and that flows out to us, that we can start to be a people of justice. Only when we know that we were unfair and we weren't right, and God dealt with that by punishing Jesus in our place, and we realise the mercy that flows to us, only then do we see someone on the street and rather than look down on them, we remember the God who didn't just look, didn't look down on us, but cared for us and lived for us and loved us and showed compassion. Can you imagine if God just stayed in the heavens and just looked out at us and thought, well, they're not deserving of my mercy. They're not deserving of me putting things right. No, he's the God who gave us his mercy and is now calling us to put things fair. So we're going to work out the justice, how we act as a just people because we've been justified, and we're going to do a couple of questions together. So in your groups, why not take three minutes to discuss 
the outworkings of this. Knowing that God is a God of justice, how does that make us a people who act justly? And then the second question, what practical steps can you take to live out your salvation as a person of justice? I'll give you three minutes and then we'll come back. Okay, we come back together. And I, I realise I've rattled through quite a bit in terms of, I guess, like doctrine and Bible verses that we will have heard time and time again and just trying to bring it all back to us again. But these two questions are basically the same, really, in terms of, okay, knowing your salvation, which is kind of what we've covered a little bit, what does that mean in terms of practical steps? So can somebody just bring up a bit about what you've discussed in terms of salvation and how that gets you, knowing that you're justified wanting to be a person of justice, how that is worked out. How have you worked that out in your life? So, any takers? I'd love to hear what your groups were discussing. I, I think um, knowing that... I mean, these are big questions, and I imagine that's why it's quite hard for people to, mm. to respond, because there's so much you could say. But one thing um, is that knowing that Jesus gave his life for me uh, and because he loved me, uh, he also gave his life for everyone else. Mm -hmm. So once we've embraced God's mercy to us through Jesus, it really stinks if we're then looking down on other people or, or treating them badly or you know, particularly prejudicial attitudes towards groups of people or whatever because they're also people. I mean, if, if it, they weren't valuable enough because God created them and, and put his image on them, then even more they were valuable enough for Jesus to come and, and give his life for them. So I suppose in that sense, the salvation that I've received, I don't always manage it, but it inspires me, it motivates mm. me. The logic of it demands mm. that I treat people fairly. Um, we were talking about how um, it's very difficult when you're in the heat of the moment to be able to find that Christ-like attitude and a feeling like wrong has been done to you. And um, we were just talking about how, kind of similar to what James was saying, that um, in order to live thinking about justice to all, uh, there's a need to come to God first and this sense of being able to take a step back. And the thing that always stays with me is what Jesus said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And you know, that sense of how we feel like we deserve to have justice then, but it's in God's hands rather than in ours. So I've just got a bit of, just before, sort of in, in terms of uh, bringing things to a close, just one bit of application. Can we go to the next slide? And thinking, getting a bit more specific, where Isaiah talks about, in Isaiah 1.3, God's words, learn, learn to do what is right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. So thinking from that about the places that we are around, the communities we're in, our jobs we're in, uh, that God has put us there to be a people of justice. 
And maybe as we just go about the routine of our life, uh, do we see daily injustices? And how are we working to put them right? That verse I find really helpful from Luke 12, 48, where Jesus in the parable of the talents reminds us that with our great privileges, and some of us are very privileged, um, there is great responsibility where he says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded, and from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So that sense of which, if we're financially very blessed, what are we doing with our money to make sure we're acting justly? If we're well educated and we've had great opportunities, how are we now taking those skills in order to put them to just causes? Uh, maybe it's a case of having a, a big responsibility um, in our workplace and how we're treating people who are under our care, really, in, in a way that's fair. So as we sort of draw to an end with all of that and with the thoughts that we've been able to discuss this evening, let's be reminded as we come to worship that it was the zeal of the Lord, his zeal to put things right, that Jesus came to the world. It was his zeal to see justice and mercy and peace that led him to the cross. He died in order that justice could be done, that we could then become vessels of his justice. 